you know, that's the beauty of DSP is that you can, you can really customize what part of the funnel you want to hit uh, for specific brands. You know, you can create a full funnel strategy, which many established brands like to do. A lot of smaller CPG brands that I've worked with simply want to run remarketing and leverage traffic that they've created via PPC. So, you know, there are a lot of things you can do with the platform and there's no one size fits all strategy across all brands, very similar to PPC as well. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Better Advertising with Better AMS, a show where we talk e-commerce and Amazon advertising and PPC. My name is Justin Knuckles, and I am your host, along with my co-host, Destiny Wishon. That you heard just before me was a sneak peek of my conversation with Adam Mellett from that Better AMS team. As I'm sure you can guess, today we are talking DSP, defining what it is and isn't, uses for targeting different stages of the buyer journey, and misconceptions around the ad type. Adam is possibly the nicest, most chill guy I've ever met and an experienced outdoorsman. So if you're up in the Eugene, Oregon area looking for a spot to hike, give Adam a shout on LinkedIn. Without further delay, I'll welcome our guest of the hour, Adam. Let's get into it. Adam, welcome to Better Advertising with Better AMS. How you doing, man? Good, good, Justin. Glad to be here, man. How are you? Doing great, dude. It's uh, about time we get you on this show. I know, I know. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a long time coming, but definitely something I'm excited for. Yeah, man. Well, let's uh, let's bring everyone up to speed on your advertising and Amazon background. Tell us a little bit about your Amazon experience and how you got started in this space. Yeah, so kind of a, a bit of a unique uh starting point on my end. Um, I actually started in APS or Amazon publisher services in 2016, directly out of college. Uh, and that just entailed like helping authors publish books, uh, work directly in author promotion. So doing book signings, press releases, other forms of marketing. Uh, and then we also wrote listings for authors. So after about two years, I made the switch to the product side and that was in 2018, I believe learned full service aspects, of Amazon, Switched to PPC, kind of ran with it, um, and here we are. That's awesome, man. It's kind of funny how everyone's Amazon evolution, just like you never end up where you think you're going to go. Like I'm sure you didn't think on the APS side you'd end up like in PPC advertising. Like I started back in private label, and I didn't think I'd be like helping private label sellers now in PPC. So it's just funny how everyone's evolution just like is so unexpected. Right, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, I, I wasn't sure what would be transitionary from APS to the product side. Um, and it turns out, you know, it's the same, a lot of it is like the same concepts, right? Like marketing, um, you know, you're going to market a, a book in very similar ways that you market a, a product. So, uh, you know, it was, I wouldn't necessarily say a simple transition, but, uh, you know, I was able to leverage a lot of what I learned on the APS side. Yeah, that's definitely a unique origin story. I don't think many people have kind of the APS background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's fading. A little bit about your PPC background specifically, dude. How long have you been uh, doing PPC and specifically about DSP, which we're going to get into today? Uh, you are kind of the the team better AMS king of DSP, I think. So <laughs> how long you been uh, doing that? Yeah, I would say probably about four years on the PPC side um, DSP probably closer to two or three. I focused predominantly on just learning the basics of PPC, um, you know, and, and just coming down through that until we got to an advanced level and I was comfortable, um, you know, really navigating and speaking on accounts and auditing and, and uh, things like that. DSP kind of came after the fact, um, and was a bit steeper of a learning curve, right? It's, a lot more uh, specific among other words. So, you know, it has the potential to spend a lot of things aren't set up correctly. Um, so, you know, I was very patient with myself and uh, 
had a great team, great supporting cast at the time who I was working directly with uh, in learning DSP. So yeah, I mean, as with all things Amazon, I'm sure it's evolved over just the time you've been working within DSP. So um, I know myself just getting into DSP, um, I'm sure I have it much easier than you did back in the day. So let's bring everyone up to speed who's not familiar with DSP, man. Uh, Can you give us a little bit of background? Like what is DSP for those who have never heard of it or maybe just have heard the acronym and that's it? Yeah. So DSP is Amazon's demand side platform. Uh, The textbook definition is going to be essentially DSP is a platform that allows brands to programmatically purchase display and video ads that appear on and off of Amazon or across Amazon's networks. In more simple terms, it's going to be a platform that's separate from PPC that you can utilize to run audience-based advertising campaigns on and off of Amazon. Um, Unlike traditional Amazon ads that target-specific keywords or ASINs with Amazon. DSP uses first-party customer data to retarget customers, but it's based on demographics, location, interest, shopping activity, um, such as uh, product purchases, product views, device type, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, we can get very, very specific uh, in DSP. Oh, yeah. We will touch on that a little bit more. It sounds like uh, DSP is kind of like a beefed up version of, um, of sponsored display. Is that kind of safe to assume? Yeah. You know, there, there are some subtle similarities. Um, I think, you know, as Amazon rolls out additional updates in sponsored display, um, such as customized look back window, right? Like that's going to be a DSP, um, feature, but there's still many differences between the two. Uh, you can just, again, I know I, I go back to this, but you can get much more precise with your targeting in DSP as opposed to sponsored display, at least at this point in time. Yeah, I know, you know, we've all tried sponsored display audience targeting. And I think the most, uh, the most granular you can really get there is like maybe narrowing it down to like advertised products, which is, you know, looking at your brand's whole catalog. And if people have looked at your advertised products, then, you know, that ad might serve to them. And that's, you know, that might not be the right product to the right customer. Um, so I think DSP allows us to get a lot more granular and tie, tie things together more, you know, logically. So, uh, let's get into that, like granular targeting. Tell us a little bit more about what we can do there on the audience side. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, again, one of the largest DSP advantages is you are able to get way more precise with who you're going after in terms of advertising. So I always come back to this example. It's a very simple product, right? I will use whey protein as an example. So ideally, if we're advertising a whey protein product, we can remarket to, you know, customers who have landed on the listing over X amount of days, customers who have purchased previously, customers who have viewed competitor products. Uh, And then from there, you know, you can get a lot more granular in terms of what audiences you're going after. So for a couple examples, um, you know, for views remarketing or listing view remarketing, as we refer to it customers who have landed on the listing, but not purchased over X amount of days. So we have the power to exclude audiences in DSP. Uh, You can dive a bit deeper there and do things like target customers who have landed on the listing, who have purchased in the past, but not over the last X amount of days, right? So they may have purchased previously and are aware of your brand, but have moved off of the brand and may need to see an ad or two before they consider purchasing again. Uh, that's going to be one main difference between DSP and PPC. Uh, additionally, you know, you can go after past purchasers, but excluding those who have not landed on the listing for X amount of days. So like that example would be they're aware of the brand, 
but may have moved off of it again. Uh, or past purchases who may be out of supply. Depends on the serving size, of course, for, for um, audience exclusion. But long-winded answer of saying, you know, again, it's much more precise on the DSP side. Yeah, I think that's way more granular that we can get in sponsored display, obviously. But those exclusions are so massive, especially for brands that, that really have like a one-time purchase um, kind of customer. You know, like if if someone's already purchased that product, it might not make sense to run sponsored display because that ad might serve to them again and they don't need to buy your product again. Um, so right. with DSP, we can definitely exclude those kinds of customers and only show to those who have truly looked at the product but not purchased, right? Exactly. And, you know, that's the, the best way I describe it to potential clients who are considering running DSP is that it's a, it's a money saver, right? The more precise you get, the more bleeding you can, you can kind of shave off the top. Uh, and like you said, you know, with sponsored display, which which does have remarketing capabilities, what we don't have there is that audience exclusion. So if you're remarketing to those who have viewed the listing over the last seven days, somebody who has purchased could potentially still see ads. Um, on the flip side, if you don't exclude the right audiences in DSP, it has the potential to spend very quickly. So tread yes, lately. It's a double, double-edged sword. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, this, you know, I remember when I first heard about DSP, like, couple years back. Um, and it first sounded to me like it was a very top of funnel brand awareness strategy, which it certainly can be, but a lot of these strategies can really, really play to the bottom of the funnel. Um, customers who are really close to that conversion point. Right. So it doesn't have to be just for these, these large CPG brands that are trying to like, you know, push brand awareness, market share. It could be for, you know, just grabbing a customer who, who clicked on your PPC ad, but didn't quite convert. Exactly. Uh, you know, that's the beauty of DSP is that you can you can really customize what part of the funnel you want to hit uh, for specific brands. You know, you can create a full funnel strategy, which many established brands like to do. A lot of smaller CPG brands that I've worked with simply want to run remarketing and leverage traffic that they've created via PPC. So, you know, there are a lot of things you can do with the platform and there's no one size fits all strategy across all brands, very similar to PPC as well. Um, and DSP involves a lot of testing, um, you know, a lot of admitting that things don't work and things do work. So when you do figure out, you know, the magic recipe for, um, you know, your particular client, you can really drive a lot of value through DSP. Yeah, definitely. I think um, DSP is, is, an amazing strategy also for, like I said, getting those new to brand customers with Mm -hmm. some prospecting strategies. We've been talking a lot about remarketing, but prospecting is great too with the granularity of targeting, right? If you can go after specific ASINs, that means you can go after your competitors, specific ASINs and go conquest their customers. So that's an awesome strategy too. If you're, if you're really looking to grow your new to brand um, strategy without just like going with this massive top of funnel, uh, strategy like we're talking about, trying to be very precise in in what people need for their business and what they're capable of spending on. Right, right, and that's that's a really good call out. Um, you know, we're essentially able to create customer, or excuse me, competitor audiences um, using direct competitor ASINs and DSP. So, as an example, you know, in sponsor display, we can run similar product targeting where, you know, we go after those who have viewed a group of similar products um, that Amazon deems as similar. Whereas in DSP, you can actually go and search, um, you know, any any search term on Amazon, right? Let's search whey protein as an example. 
we can pull any ASIN that we want or a group of collective ASINs off of the search engine results page, create custom competitor view through audiences with those ASINs, and then remarket to those who have viewed those ASINs but haven't purchased from our brand. So just another example of ways that you can get a lot more specific in DSP. Yeah, yeah. DSP isn't just all remarketing. There's definitely other ways <laughs> you can utilize the the data there. And I think going back to where we first started, talking about Amazon's first you know, party data. Um, I think this is why it's so awesome for even people that don't sell products on Amazon to use DSP. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're talking a lot about ASIN targeting, but I mean, just their audience uh, targeting is is pretty awesome. You know, you can get as granular as certain types of car owners or certain types of, um, you know, interest groups. Like, I think it's right. it makes sense why, you know, these big insurance companies are running ads on on Amazon using all this data. I agree. Um, and you know, that's a perfect point. We've talked a lot about remarketing, of course, uh, you know, that is something we like to leverage quite a bit, but there are a ton of lifestyle in market audience segments that you can go after, uh, directly in the DSP that can really work for, uh, awareness plays for, for particular brands. Um, you know, of course, tread lightly here again, um, because it's, it's very top funnel. So, you know, while it may not convert well, that's not going to be your main KPI for those strategies. Uh, it's about setting expectations and knowing what to expect when you dive into DSP and set things up. Um, budget allocation is going to be a huge factor in how you perform in DSP as well. So, yeah, I think the the budget budgeting is a great topic of DSP too. The the way in which we can you know pace a campaign, <laughs> um, you know, daily spend. Um, and even like catch up factors, right? Like if you're underpacing in a campaign, like you can put a catch up factor on that. Um, so there's a lot of even just budget controls, not just like audience and targeting controls. Right. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of levers that you have to pull in DSP to make things function as they should. Um, you know, something as simple as a, a budget cap can prevent an order from spending haphazardly. Um, you know, it's going to depend on on the brand preference and ultimately the the manager preference. Um, you know, who's managing that specific account. But yeah, great point, Justin. You can you can uh, really pull a lot of levers on the budget side in DSP. Definitely, I, uh, I it can be very complex, which is you know why I think you know having a DSP expert like yourself uh, managing these kinds of things is is awesome for these brands. Um, but if brands are not able to work with an agency, like what does it take to be able to get into DSP and start working with this ad type? Yeah. So first I want to hit on a big misconception that you have to be an Amazon seller to use DSP. I know you'd, you'd lightly mentioned that here, um, a couple minutes ago, but you do not have to be an Amazon seller to use DSP. Brands can actually use DSP to do things like direct shoppers to their website, for instance, um, you know, there's a lot of different things you can do there, but ultimately there are two ways to run DSP. You can run DSP self-serve, which does require a minimum budget of 35 K. So if you want to approach Amazon, you say, you know, I want to run DSP. It's a $35,000 required budget. The second option is to work with a required partner agency that manages a considerably larger monthly ad budget. And this is typically achieved by managing ad spend for multiple clients, right? So by going through a required partner agency, you aren't going to have to meet that 35K minimum. The minimums that you will have to meet may be internal or on the agency side that you work with. Yeah, which is what we do with a lot of clients. I mean, we don't 
bring people on and, and request 35k up front like <laughs> Amazon will. We uh we're much more flexible in, in running smaller tests. So um, right. those are kind of the pros and cons of doing it in house versus kind of going the eight um agency side. So um anything else to note about um like getting into DSP? Is that something that you have to go talk to like an a rep about or talk to Amazon for? Um no. You know if if you're curious to, you know, kind of dive into DSP and, and learn about what you can do with your brand. Um, you know, I would, I would recommend simply asking your Amazon rep some questions, uh, or you can do things like approach us, um, here at better AMS. You know, we love pushing out as much content as possible about DSP. I personally don't think there's enough information out there right now on the demand side platform. I think it's like 95% PPC information, which is great but there's a void to fill, right? So, absolutely. Uh, you know, if you guys have questions, absolutely feel free to approach us. Yeah, this is only really, you know, the starting point of all DSP. So we could put out numerous episodes, I think, on DSP if we really get into it. <laughs> it's, uh, it. it's a beast. <laughs> definitely can be. Well, Adam, I, I appreciate you being here, man. Um, we'll definitely have to have you back next time. Yeah, man. Glad to be here. Um, you know, really appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely, man. We'll have a good one. We'll talk later. All right, Justin, you as well. Cheers. Thank you again for supporting the show as we are getting off the ground with these first couple episodes. Tons of advertising content, guest interviews, brand studies, and more we plan to bring you in the future. And the best way you can support us now to make that happen is by leaving us a review and following and subscribing to the podcast anywhere you listen. Additionally, share this episode with your sellers, advertisers, mastermind groups, you name it. Pass it around anyone thinking of trying DSP for the first time. Also, be sure to follow myself, Justin Knuckles, and my co-host, Destiny with Sean, on LinkedIn, and let us know what you'd like to hear more of on the show in future episodes. I'll catch you all next time, but for now, take care. Take care.